to Life After Baby Loss, a podcast brought to you by Grace in Action. I'm Siobhan, Grace's mum, and together with David, Grace's dad, we'll be exploring life after loss. And welcome to day five of our Baby Loss Awareness Mini Podfest. I'm David and I'm with Siobhan again. Hello. Again, per again. usual. Yeah. yeah. So um, today we are talking about race. Are oh, we talking about race? No, we're not talking about race. We're talking about how stillbirth affects black and Asian communities. Minorities. Minorities, actually, because we are particularly talking about black and asian people in this country mm. rather than in um, in the world predominantly yes. black countries black and asian countries so yeah that's, that's so what I, that's as, as minority communities in in this country mm. um yes oh, why are we talking about it we're talking about it because a stat has come to light it um it really came to light in a study in 2018 uh, from the npeu which is a maternity focused stats-based research project in oxford wow that's a mouthful isn't it just um you know their whole point is to improve maternity uh, care through sort of use of stats basically and knowledge um and what was interesting was uh, in the talking with uh, the researchers they said they while doing their work they kept coming against uh, kept, kept coming up against this stat and they suddenly thought if this is here and it's been repeated and it's true. Why is no one making a big thing about it? So while it wasn't the focus of their report, they included it in their report to kind of highlight it. And what the stat said was that... Um, black women. Black women. So, well, the first thing to note is that one of the stats that existed previously that everyone knows is that black women are five times more likely to die in childbirth than white women in this country. The same weirdly or not weirdly is also true in the united states mm. um but the stat says that in this country black women are 121 percent more likely to have a stillbirth than white women and asian women are 66 percent more likely i think to have a neonatal death than white women again looking at the united states the figures are very similar mm. for native american uh, latino and uh, African-American women. Um, and there is definitely a correlation there. Um, yes. Isn't it just genetics, David? Well, see, this <laughs> it's funny you should ask that, Siobhan, because whenever, um, whenever this stat is touted about, um, people... Someone's going to ask, someone, aren't they? Always the first question is, is it genetic? Surely there's something genetic going on. There must be. So the first thing to take into account here is black and Asian is not a race. They are generic descriptors. Um, when you say Asian, you are talking about a huge swathe of the population of the world. When you say black, you are talking, um, well, there have been studies that show that the genetic variety in the African diaspora is the biggest genetic variance in the world. Nowhere else has got as much variety. So to say, is it genetic, is a really disingenuous and ignorant question, um, to be honest, because you, black and, is not a race. And you always then use it as an opportunity to educate people. Yeah, uh, I do. I'm not going to shout at you for saying it, because that's where we are as a mm. society. But I will educate. Um, yes. 
in the, no uncertain terms. The the other thing is quite interesting to note as well, just thinking about the stats. Um, am I right in thinking that there are new statistics that show that the stillbirth rate has reduced? The stillbirth for, rate is going down quite, well, not dramatically. Yeah. Um, it's, it's going down. Well, it has. I mean, I think it was 17 a day when Grace was born, died in 2014, and it's now down to 14 a day, I in think, country, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, which um, is, yeah. Oh, but that's years. an overall statistic, right? When six you, years, that's significant. That is significant, yeah. But when you that's an overall figure and when you break it down and you look at how it affects different communities, that uh, rate is reducing at a far greater uh, rate that for white women than it is for other communities. Um, when you look at it on a graph, it's actually quite shocking how the number of white women uh, having stillbirths have dropped the number of Asian women has plateaued slightly, risen in comparison, and black women is is it's still way up there. Mm. Um, people often get confused. So a friend of mine um, put this stat on her Facebook page, and people were champing at the bit to go. It's just hyperbolic. Doesn't make sense. The numbers don't add up. And <laughs> what? So so let me just explain the numbers. The numbers aren't saying that for every. Um, white woman has a stillbirth there are 121 black women that have stillbirths that's not what it's saying it's looking at the proportion the percentage so if there were the same amount of black women in the country as white women then yes for every white woman that had a stillbirth there'd be 121 black women um we don't, it's as a percentage of the population, isn't it? As a percentage, it's so still the actual numbers. The actual numbers are much lower if you actually look at the the actual figures. But as a percentage of that community, the percentage for black women is absolutely ridiculously through the roof compared Basically, to white women. For the amount of black women in the country, they should not be this yes, many still exactly. in that community. Absolutely, that's the point. So if it's not genetics. And let's be clear, there are a couple of very small genetic things that can be a risk factor. Which is usually by region rather yes, than race. Yes, let's be clear about that. But generally, looking at the black community and Asian communities, it's not genetics. Then what is it? I'm going to ask, I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask you a question. This yeah. wasn't in our plan. The question is, what have you learned about yourself and race or racism, I hesitate to say that, but let's go. What have you learned about yourself since you've been with me? <laughs> oh, my dear Lord, where to start? So much, so, 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 so much. And, you know, I mean, it's been 15 years of an education and I'm still learning. Um, i give you an example. I, I would like to consider that I'm fairly well-educated um, you know, I have a university degree in Latin. Classics, don't you? Know? Yes, yes. Uh -huh. Okay, your turn to take <laughs> to, to make fun of me, right? Okay, yes, Latin and ancient Greek classics. Um, you Mainly, know, when <laughs> when I first met Siobhan, I is was this like, necessary? No, not at all. But when I first met Siobhan, I was like, nah, yeah, I'd, you know, I'd, we'll never get together. She's way too posh for me because like she was coming out. Of, so I was like, yeah. So you've that, done that me down rubbish. a bit. You've done me down a bit since then. <laughs> Go on, go on. Right. Anyway. Okay. So I, I, you know, I'd like to, to think that I'm fairly well educated, but, um, w one thing, one huge thing that I, that I didn't realize until 
until I met David really and started having some more in-depth conversations about these things was that my, let's say, auto view of the world is a, through a white lens. So whenever I read a book, if there are no descriptors telling me otherwise, I imagine the characters as white in my head. I love this example. I, 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 you've got more to say because I just no, want to no, jump no, go on, you jump I love in, that yeah. example because I've talked about that before with other people and they've said, yeah, but you're black. So when you read, surely you see black characters. I went, no, I see white people because I've been brought up in exactly the same system. It's a mm. system which feeds your head with a certain perception of society. And for me, it's a white one. Um, I grew up and most of the great people I saw on TV were white. If we got flesh coloured plasters, it wasn't my flesh. If we had flesh coloured crayons, it wasn't my flesh. Um, <laughs> to be fair, they were pretty rubbish for everybody. I, know, were. <laughs> but I, I was on set not too long ago um, uh, doing a show and they had gave me an earpiece for my ear. And uh, the guy goes, yeah, I'm really sorry about this. We asked for flesh coloured ones and they gave us this. And it was like, it was generically kind of white. Um and he goes, we asked them if they had any other shades. And they were like, that's the only one it comes in. <laughs> so if anyone was looking to start a business, a more diverse business to be had, there is uh, a greater variety of real flesh-coloured earpieces. <laughs> but even to the point where, and what you've got to understand is that the medical, most systems... Hang on, hang on. You, uh, you're going around in circles here. What are you actually saying? So... What I'm saying is that we are surrounded by an unconscious bias. We don't even know we've got it. Yes, it's taken, you didn't. I didn't you know. No, you've had to examine them I've as got well. biases which I had to examine myself and examine the decisions that I was making. And some of them I'm pretty ashamed of. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that more another day. Um, but the systems, you know, the medical system is mired in this bias. So for example, there's a junior, do not junior doctor, a second year medical student in St. George's Hospital in South London, who suddenly realised that all the teaching they were getting about diagnosing people was for white skin. And actually, yeah, so yeah, looking at how diseases express themselves on skin, he realised all the examples were for white skin and actually on different colour skin, those diseases would express themselves in a different way. So he actually wrote a book. Oh, but even inserting a cannula was right. something which is different on dark mm, skin mm. than light skin. Yeah. Um, you know, now this is, you know, if, if, they're, if, if uh, that's still being taught, I mean, he's done something amazing to, to address that situation, to write a new textbook for that. But how long is it going to take for that information now to get disseminated to all the medical schools and to get out there? You know, th there's a, there's a big systemic problem here. And the thing is, we don't know how that could be affecting the maternity situation. What we do know is for lots of other instances where there is a disparity that's this great, there has been research done about it. So they find stark figures like men are five times more likely to be whatever than women. Then, then they start looking into it because they want to know why. Now, this is the shameful thing about this. Nobody has looked into why. So we don't, we, we do know to some extent that it isn't genetics because we have various information already, perhaps about why the babies died and why the mothers died. But 
Um, so we we can rule out what it wasn't, but we don't know for sure what it is. And I suspect it's quite complex and is a number of different things. And I also think that one of the things we can do until someone does that much needed research is we can encourage um, the medical profession to examine their unconscious, sorry, subconscious biases um, to be honest with themselves as far as they can be to make sure that these things are not impacting the care that they are giving women and their partners and their families and their babies. At the end of the day, your subconscious biases affect your decisions, whether you notice it or not. Mm. Um, If you are in the caring profession, it is your duty, your responsibility, your ethical obligation obligation that your ethical obligation to examine yourself deeply um and and start to actively remove those biases Mm. that's the only way um at this moment that you can reduce take steps towards reducing that risk that's what caregiving is all about and we're talking about life and death here and also the other thing that always i always feel quite strongly when it comes to birth it's not just life and death, it, there's also a huge amount of trauma without mm. touching life and the life and mm. death part that, you know, th- there are many, many more subtle layers. I mean, we're at the extreme end of it, talking about the life and death aspect of it, but it extends way beyond the statistics that we've spoken about today in many, many, many more subtle ways. Let me leave you an example. Um, so one of the things is that one of the things that has become known is that women get listened to women patients get listened to less than men. So there's a there's a bias thing going on there. Um they did a study in America, I can't quite remember where, um, but one of the things that came out was that there was this underlying perception that black people experienced pain differently to white people. So it looked like black people weren't getting the pain medications. Um to the equal level of their white counterparts, but they didn't complain because they didn't know any better. They had nothing else to compare it to. Um, but that study kind of brought that to light, mm. which is shocking, but it shows that bias is a reality. Uh, going to leave you with that. Um, hopefully you've got something to think about there. Um, what are we doing tomorrow? What are we doing tomorrow? Mental health. So until tomorrow, peace, strength and love. <laughs>